Here we are, Minimum Podcast. It's your host, Alex Gabriel, joined by my co-host, Colin Hamlin. We came to you last Tuesday. We were in the throes of an intense Michigan State basketball game. I titled that last podcast, All Things Are Coming Up Green. And it was a nice little run for Michigan State for about a week there with a win against Northwestern in football, um, a win against Duke in basketball. We had another win against Notre Dame in basketball. Things were going good. Um, And then Saturday came along. And we played Ohio State. Colin, welcome to the show. How are we doing? Um, you didn't have to go through a Michigan loss, and you may only have to actually sit through one more Michigan loss this entire season. Yeah, I mean this this Saturday was pure bliss. I watched Michigan State, Ohio State, till it wasn't competitive. So, you know, maybe end of first quarter. Then I I turned on Lord of the Rings and did that during during primetime football viewing hours. It was just pure enjoyment, pure relaxing. Yeah, so Ohio State comes into East Lansing and just thrashes us. It was 28 nothing, And the thing that stuck out here, Colin, is we knew Ohio State would win. A couple things. Just from a big-picture standpoint, talking NFL draft, I had a little flirtation with Justin Fields thinking he's better than Trevor Lawrence. After watching him like really closely on Saturday – He's not better than Trevor Lawrence, and there are a couple red flags for me as far as how he plays. He gets a little jittery in the pocket, like really is wanting to scramble. Like he didn't seem very comfortable to sit back there and really be accurate. So um, that was a little bit of a red flag for me. Obviously, he's really good, but um, what did you make of his performance and then Ohio State in general as a team? Um, Well, like you said, I I think it's – the Trevor Lawrence is clearly, I think in my mind, just – Obviously, I've seen a little bit more of Trevor Lawrence than I've watched um, Justin Fields over the past couple of years just because I'm a pretty big Ohio State hater, so I try not to see him dominate too much. Um, <laughs> but I think, you know, with um, Ohio State as a team, he doesn't have to be super, super great just because they're so dominant in the Big Ten. Um, whereas, you know, we've seen Trevor Lawrence do it at the, at the highest level and on the biggest stage. Um, in his career. So we'll see if, if Ohio State does make it into the playoffs, if Fields can can get it done there. Yeah, because I, I, I w- he would probably go to, what, Jacksonville? And Jacksonville is just decrepit of talent as well. They have, you know, James Robinson at running back, but the receiving situation is, is not great there. And I just – I mean, either way, if you're the Jets, if you're uh, Lawrence or Fields, you have to be kind of sick to your stomach just looking at your potential prospects of, you know, if I'm Lawrence, I definitely, I know it's kind of been like a topic on sports radio. I'm hesitant to sign up to join the Jets unless you're like, hey, I get to pick the coach or whatever, you know? Yeah, I mean, for me, that's one thing I would, like, I was a, I don't want to say a hater of that idea, like at the beginning of the year when people brought it up because you're like, hey, it's it happens, right? Teams suck and that's yeah. just where you got to go, right, when you're the number one pick, but I mean, they're, they're like malignantly and maliciously incompetent, like yeah. going out of their, you know, we, people were saying that about the Dolphins last year, how the Dolphins were tanking for, for Tua. I want to say tanking the right way, but obviously look at them this year and it, it purely was a, just a lack of players yep. on the roster. 
And, you know, you can tell that Flores has a plan and, you know, that's just the complete opposite of the Jets where you're I, I, like, if I'm Trevor Lawrence, there's just no way I'm going to go play for Adam Gase. Um, and I think he's is, done anyways, Colin. I mean, honestly, I yeah. think he's, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. but you think with Lawrence, I mean, he legitimately has the ability to potentially, I mean, the next Peyton Manning natural ball thrower. Yeah. I mean, dictate, I'm not coming to you unless like, I'm going to go back to college unless you hire Dabo or you hire whomever I want. You know what I mean? Like he has, I think that ability to like, I'm either you trade me or I'm not coming or you sign this player, this player, this player, or I'm just not coming. Right. Right. And yeah, I mean, at that point, I think that's what I would, would, you know, say if I was him and, just wait until the last possible second to make my decision and see, you know, kind of what the Jets have done. Um, because, I don't know, you get yourself into a dangerous situation um, if you go to a, a team like this. And, you know, I don't want to say that Joe Burrow's situation is the same as this. The Bengals probably weren't as bad. But, you know, people talked about how awful his offensive line was and how he was getting beat up all year. And then you see what happens. And, He's out. You know, ACL, now, yeah. Now he probably loses next year too, or at least part of it. But yeah. it's it's not a situation where you, you know you look at Matt Stafford too with the Lions, like you can't just be thrown into the fire with like no plan, or mm-hmm. you're gonna get you're gonna pay for it. I mean Matt Stafford, what he joined the team that was 0-16, right? And he's been yeah. dealing with that for the last 12 years. <laughs> yeah, and then he- yeah, we go we look at like what he was doing this year. And then, you know, throws for over 400 yards on Sunday, and all Bevel said is, "Oh, we let him throw the ball a little bit." So, <laughs> that's all. We don't have a clown running the show, right? So the the other big thing that happened, obviously, we got killed. But the big thing for me, for Michigan State football wise, is the tackling was not good, but there were some guys who stuck out to me that I like. I, there are some players who I watch. A lot of the players who are playing well are young. Uh, and that's and I also see Elijah Collins getting going. He's only a sophomore. We have um, I like Henderson a lot, who's a defensive back. I like uh, number five Fletcher. We have some guys who are everybody who's running to the ball. There's not a lot of older players playing aside from you know Naquan Jones and Panashuk and some of these guys. Michigan State defensively, and I was watching the game, Colin, and the thing that stuck out to me is previously the last couple of years when we played Ohio State and got smoked. There was a discrepancy in ball speed or lateral quickness. Like Ohio State could just get to the edge and run on us, and it was just, you know, we were not in a good place. It looked like Michigan State was was matching up athletically for the most part, and it didn't look like we were just out-athleted so much in an embarrassing fashion. There were some places to clean up, some offensive, you know, play calling, but it wasn't so bad where it looked like, guys, this is this is we're playing a different sport here. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll we'll talk about you know Michigan and Ohio State too in that situation, but that that has been the same thing, same story for Michigan as well in in the past couple of years particularly where it's you know no matter what Michigan's doing, it's you just got no chance. Yeah. Just purely based on the dude you're going up against, you know whether it's JK Dobbins or Terry McLaurin or whoever the whoever the guys are, it's you know, them just making the game look so much easier because they're just running in circles around Michigan. Scary Terry? He's a OSU guy? Pretty sure he was. I did not know that. I never realized that. The other thing, the last thing I want to mention about Michigan State 
is Peyton Thorne finally got extended playing time. He, um, Rocky Lombardi went out with a concussion. Sorry that he got hurt, but he was playing horribly. I mean, he had some throws that he just is so inaccurate, and that's kind of been the message throughout his entire tenure is he can hit on some deep throws, but he's just so inaccurate. Peyton Thorne comes in, looks pretty good, makes a couple mistakes. He had a fumble that you know he kind of got smoked and didn't really have a big chance holding on to it, but he had zip on the ball. He was getting it downfield. He looked like someone who could actually play quarterback at the Big Ten level. It just makes you wonder – why has this guy not been playing all along? Like that's an indictment on the coaching staff that Thorne should have been in there from week one. I know we probably don't beat Michigan if Thorne's in there, but we got to be honest with ourselves. Thorne's so much better. I don't understand what the coaches were seeing in, in Rocky. Well, I think it's uh, probably coming in as the, the new coach. You're going to try to scratch and claw your way to as many wins as possible. And if, you know, Rocky's been there, he, he has a little bit more experience. You're probably like, well, you know, maybe he can steal a couple wins for us or something. But, you know, it's it's kind of like the the Pistons situation in the past couple of years. It's, you know, you, you have these young guys, but you're not really playing them. You're playing these old, you know, you know what you got in them, veterans that are mm-hmm. pretty low ceiling. Why not just scrap it and say, hey, if we're going to suck anyways, we might as well suck while our young guys get better. So, I mean, that is one positive to take from it for sure. I just hope that my tenure with – and I was just texting Eric, and I was like, dude, we know that – so we have to watch – if Rocky's playing now, then we're going to have to watch him play all next year as well, his senior year. Like, we got to rip the Band-Aid off and move forward with Thorne. And, and Eric's like, well, we're looking at the transfer portal, but I was like, we need to play the guys we're recruiting. The guy's a four-star. He's clearly talented. He just needs time. That's how you get better. And I was texting you. I was saying, basically, you know, I'm done with Rocky. If I, I, I likened it to – you know, we, a bad relationship. You and your wife, you're having a rough time. You get away for the weekend. You know, you go up to the mountains, reconnect. Things go well. That reconnection to us was the Michigan game. After we lost to Rutgers, we reconnected. We went to the mountains. Things went good again. We go home, and things go back to normal. We get absolutely shell-shocked by Iowa. And now we go into Ohio State. You look through her phone. You see that she's been cheating, and um, it's basically the end. You know, you so, have yeah. the on the radar, maybe you start going to couples counseling it. And that's the Northwestern game where things start getting better. We actually beat a top ranked team. But then, you know, you come home from couples counseling, you, you look at her phone, you see you see nude photos and you say, Hey, I gotta shut it more. We're done. <laughs> and I am I am not a uh quarterback transfer guy. I mean I get it if you're you know really hurting and you only have like true freshmen or something. Um, but I, you know, you get into the same problem that Michigan got into when, you know, you get Rudak in there. He's, he's good, not great. Then you get, uh, like a year or two of Wilton Spate, who was a Michigan recruit, but then leaves and Patterson in there. And now, you know, you look at Michigan wondering, okay, who's, is Joe Milton the guy? Is Kate McNamara the guy? And, you know, finally Michigan's got a five-star freshman coming in next year and you know at some point you'd hope to be able to just hand the hand the keys over to a freshman or sophomore and know what you have at quarterback for two or three years right even if it's going to be a rough year like hey we'll go through one bad year gives you the development like and you forgot to mention john o'corn in there too um but i I was i was thinking that same thing we hadn't talked about it in that 
Michigan is the prime example, number 1A, of you keep bringing in these guys who are not your recruits. It, first of all, will hurt your recruiting in the long run. And secondly, if you can't develop these quarterbacks, you're only getting a year, a year rental. People, generally speaking, aren't winning a national championship unless you can get someone like Justin Fields to transfer to your team. Right, right. That's the exception to the rule. And I think it's the easy way out, too. If you're a coach, you go, hey, I don't – if I can go out and get this junior that's – you know, played and he's been okay and let's just go get him rather than throw our freshman in there. It's like, well, now your freshman's another year behind when he's a sophomore and you need him. And I don't know, I just think it puts you behind the eight ball. And for the most part, I mean, like I said, Justin Fields is one of the exceptions, but I mean, these dudes are in the transfer portal for a reason. Like you look at a Peyton Ramsey or something for Indiana. There's a reason he transferred. It's because he's not as good as Michael Phoenix. I mean, yep. There's reasons there's dudes that are that are in that portal. Now, Fields being in the transfer portal and them starting um, – what's this? Jake – what's that guy's name? Jake uh, – Jake Fromm. Jake Fromm, the white racist guy. <laughs> yeah. Fields is – is they probably win the national championship. And I, I guess, you know, Fromm really was probably a couple of plays away from being a national championship. So, you know, it's somewhat defensible. but Yeah, and it's one of those things where it's like the transfers at that – at that level, you're not going to get all the time. Like no. those dudes aren't always going to be in. You're going to try to pick up, like I said, this Peyton Ramsey type transfer from Indiana or some dude from like Colorado State or, or something like that. And yeah. I don't think that's the way to go. I think you recruit your dudes and develop them. You got to let them play. I mean, that's how you get better at sports and especially football. Like you got to play. You have to play. The game is different from college, from high school to college, and then college obviously to the NFL. You got to play. Yeah. The game and, is different. You know, it's a different game especially for Mel now, like these are your, you know, you have a year or two to, I don't want to say burn, but people are not going to, you know, call for your head in your first or second year. You have some time. Might as well take advantage of it while there's no pressure. Get that quarterback position right. So tonight as well, the, the last thing I want to talk about college football wise is they released the rankings and basically everything remains the same. Alabama won. Notre Dame two, Clemson three, Ohio State four. So it's just been announced that the Michigan-Ohio State, the game has been canceled this weekend due to COVID outbreak. Allegedly 45 players on Michigan's team um, either can't play because they have coronavirus or due to contract tracing. So they just don't have enough players to field for the game. Now, according to the Big Ten rules, if you don't play in six games, you're not eligible for the Big Ten championship. It's been noted that uh, the Big Ten, the, the commissioner of the Big Ten, Kevin Warren, has come out and saying that they're going to address this issue and talk about it. But let me ask you, what do you make of, are you happy the game's canceled, first and foremost? I know you said previously if you thought you're intentionally canceling next year, they'd try and drop 100 on your head. But are you happy to, have to sit through a heartbreak? And then, two, what do you make of the college football playoff? What do you make of them adjusting the rules to allow Ohio State to the Big Ten championship, and et cetera? Oh, I mean, I'm just just heartbroken by it. I mean, I think this was finally the year we were going to do it. So just kills me that, that, that we won't get the chance to do that. So absolutely heartbreaking that there won't be a game. Um, but I would say sad, no. Would I, I mean, I always want to watch Michigan-Ohio State. And yeah. it's not like it would have been a, a much different experience for me than it's been for the past 10, 15 years. I would have, you know, sat here and watched the whole – the whole disaster unfold. I mean, you always hold out a sliver of hope. So I'm like, Hey, it, 
you're not going to win. You're not expected to win anyways. It's, it's kind of like you guys felt before that Michigan, Michigan state games. Like, well, I mean, worst case scenario, the thing that everybody expects to happen will happen. So it's kind of a, right. a win-win. Um, but in regards to the Ohio State thing, I mean, I think it's something that if you watch the Big Ten every week like we do, you know that Ohio State is <clears throat> far and away, not even close, the best team in the in the conference. I mean, Indiana is the only team that has even come close. But, I mean, they uh, were getting their, got a little bit blown off. They're getting their doors blown off. Yeah. Yeah, that was a little closer than it than it really was um, on the scoreboard. So, I mean, I think that it's pretty clear that they'll have to do something to get them in that Big Ten championship game. You know, I don't, I don't understand how, a, say, a 5-1 and one Indiana team should get in over a 5-0 and oh Ohio State team that beat Indiana in a head-to-head. I think um, I read that Indiana is going to be out too to COVID as well, if I'm correct. If, oh, if they lose, that's right. If they lose again this week, or if they don't play again this weekend, which um, it looks like they might not. Looks like I'm seeing right now on the bottom line, Indiana and Purdue have concerns. Um, so if so, so Colin, if this happens, Indiana's out, Ohio State's out, and if Michigan State were to beat Penn State, which I doubt would happen, wouldn't Michigan State, under the current rules, be in the Big Ten championship game? Yeah, and we'd have Northwestern Michigan State again. Rematch. Um, yeah, which. I mean, sure, it's it's great if you know if you're a Michigan State fan, but does anybody? I mean, does that no. does that does that make no. any sense? And no, and like I get people will be mad because of the, you know, they didn't let Nebraska play a non-conference game at the beginning of the year when they wanted to try to fill a spot. Um, and all I would say to that is, hey, things change. You know, it's if Nebraska was in this situation they would find a way to make that game up. You know what I mean? I feel like if it was any Big Ten team that was in this situation where, hey, they're clearly a, a national contender, yeah. all we need to do is get them in the game, they would do it no matter what team it was for. It's just, of course, it's Ohio State because they're the only good team in the conference. And I'm not even upset about it. You know what I mean? Like there are people right. who are mad. I have a Notre Dame fan friend who's like, it's not right. They're not, they only played five games, you know, Clemson and Notre Dame should just cancel the ACC championship game so that no one loses and they secure their spot. And I was like, if they did, I wouldn't really care. I was, I mean, it's pretty evident. The four best teams are Alabama, Clemson. I don't think Notre Dame's that good, but they're deserving. And, um, Ohio State. Those are the four best teams. I watched Texas A&M play. Kellen Mond is not going to win a national championship, no matter what happens. I've right. watched Florida play. They're not going to beat. They're not going to beat Alabama. They're not as good in the SEC. No Pac-12 team is good enough to play. I mean, and he was like, "Well, what metric do you have?" I was like, "Dude, I watched it with my eyes. Like, I'm watching these guys play Ohio State. I mean, I want to see Justin Fields in the playoff. It's the last time I'll see him play college football. It should be in the playoff. He didn't get to go last year. He needs to be there." And I guess what – I mean, I would say what if it was a, a normal season and, you know, the only other – say like two or three more games they played, you know, two MAC schools in the non-conference and then, you know, beat a terrible Michigan team and now they're 8-0. Is that, is that significantly better than, you know, where they would be if they just played Northwestern and beat Northwestern? I, you know, yeah. it's, a, it's a little bit of a one-off year. I don't think we need to freak out too much about – like these little technicalities that 
you know, we're just made up on the spot. It's not like this is some rule that's been around for 20 years. It's been also, around for two months. Also money. Like if we have a team make the playoffs from the big 10, that all that money is distributed to oh, each program yeah. in the big 10. Like I'm rooting for them to make it. I want them to be in there. Ohio and Ohio state. I'd make a correction. They actually did make the playoff last year, but I want to see them in it again. Like I don't want to see Kellerman and Jimbo Fisher in there. They're not as good as Alabama in the SEC West. I don't want to see Trask and Dan Mullen and his wife kissing the players for Florida. I want to see the four best teams. I could, I mean, realistically, Colin, I could see if Clemson beats Notre Dame, I know that that's probably what will happen. I think Notre Dame probably should be booted, but I know they probably won't because it's clear that Clemson is the better team. And I don't know who you actually replace them with. What are your thoughts on that? If, if Clemson beats Notre Dame, Obviously, if Notre Dame beats Clemson, they're you know they've secured their spot. They beat them twice. But if Clemson beats Notre Dame with Trevor Lawrence, do you think Notre Dame is still deserving to be in the playoff? Or hey, we've already seen what happened here. Um, I don't know if they're deserving, but I could see that. I could see them getting in over Ohio State. I could see them that being like the Ohio State excuse to keep them out of it. But right now, it's those and are the four probably, teams in it, though. Who would be the team that would leapfrog Ohio State? Well, it would depend on the um, SEC championship. If Florida could beat Alabama, yeah, and I mean that would be kind of crazy, though. You have a bunch of one-loss teams, and then they're in over undefeated um, Ohio, Ohio State, State. But I mean, so like, be, so yeah, what year for that if, to happen, though? So if. Florida beats Alabama. Now we're in issue. Now we're in troubled territory. If Alabama gets it done, yeah. it's probably not an issue, right? Yeah, I don't think it's an issue. I think it's the same four if Florida loses again. Texas A&M's not getting in. Sorry, they're just not good. They're not that. I don't know how they're fifth. And and I just want to make a last point on college athletics. As and I'm going to get some college basketball takes off here in just a minute. Watching college basketball and college football without fans, like I was, as I was telling my friend Cody, I was like, dude, this season sucks. I was like, I'm kind of just ready for college football, especially to be over. College football with no fans, the obviously it's not as good as a product athletically, but having fans there and seeing the noise and the passion, that's why I love college football so much. It's been pretty much a dud of a season. Like there's been no good games, like no big upsets, really. You know, it's just, it's not the same. No, it's, noticeably noticeably worse than it, you know it would be like for the nfl yep. um just because of the pageantry you know the bands the bigger crowds and, and all that um and you know even college basketball i would say it, it to me has kind of depended on like kind of on a game-to-game basis where yeah. i think any game that like michigan plays i'm as locked in as as i normally would be it's you know watching two teams on a neutral court and they don't allow the like pumped in crowd noise where you're just hearing every little shoe squeak and, you know, kind of someone to hit a big shot and it's like two guys on the bench yelling and that's all you can hear. It sounds like a, you know, oh, yeah! game on a Sunday night. <laughs> right. It, it, it's, it's like that stuff where it's like, okay, this kind of sucks. Right. It's like we're watching open gym. Like, I mean, we played Duke last Tuesday, obviously we were going back and forth and, you know, for me, there was never a doubt that we were going to win. But (laughs) the game was not as good because there are no fans. Like it would have been great to silence the Cameron crazies or we would have had more trouble when they were up big early. Like the the stadiums look much better on college basketball, how they've kind of guarded them off. Like the Breslin center looks good, 
But we're watching right now, you and I are both watching Iowa, North Carolina here. And obviously there's no sound on because we're doing a podcast, but the game would be so much better if we could hear the people at Iowa going crazy. And we just wouldn't hear that. We'd say Fran McCaffrey, whatever's doing his stupid place, but that's it. Yeah. And like I said, I'm glad the Big Ten is is like one of the conferences that is allowing that kind of pumped in crowd noise. Because yeah. when they do that at times, and like I know Big Ten Network's been pretty good good with it so far you know you only really notice it when they'll like pan out a little wider and you don't see the crowd you're like oh yeah that kind of sucks mm-hmm. nobody's there or you know when they kind of overdo it they'll get the crowd real pumped up at a time where it's like that doesn't make any sense at all <laughs> um, <laughs> then you notice it but it, it is in college it's way more of an issue for me than it was like with the nba or just because the players are I mean, the, yeah, the draw exactly. the professional is the players. Like they're the exactly. most. They're, I like college basketball more, and it, I'm not one of the people like they play more fundamentally sound. Like I just like watching my team play, and I like watching them go into Minnesota. Right? They call it the barn, and the fans go crazy, and they dress up. Like I like watching that versus you know watching the Pistons play the Nets on a Tuesday night. You know what I mean? Like I just like college basketball more, but with no fans, it's just not as good as a product, straight up. Yeah, I don't need to, you know, like you said, watching Michigan State Duke. I don't need to see Foster Lawyer take a charge, get up to an empty gym and just hear this. Okay, I, I don't need that. I don't need it. I don't. It's just I'm ready for – and I think this is a problem here. We're seeing the same four teams. I know it's been kind of like this for a long time, but, I mean, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, these are the teams in the playoff every year it seems like the sport is getting a little bit regionalized. We don't have a USC out there or a Texas. We've seen the same teams over and over and over and over again. It feels like this is kind of an issue for a long perspective. We need Michigan to get back on the map. Michigan State, we need Texas, we need Penn State. We need these we can't have Penn State being 0 and 5, dude. Like the product is being either diluted because of, you know, coaching or development or maybe there's less people playing football or whatever, but or maybe there's just so much concentration of talent. It, it, there's an issue in that respect, and that's something that we may need to explore further. But it's just you see all the players are in three or four places. Yeah, and like to me, it the I think the like if the playoff were, I know that we've it's been the debate ever since it came around. But if it was an 18 playoff, then this stuff matters to me more throughout throughout the year. I mean, there's way more teams that are, are in that discussion throughout the whole year. You know, you could even people down to in the 10th or 12th or 14th spot at this point in the year feel like they still have a chance. But it, like you said, with only four, and we know who those four teams pretty much are from the beginning of the year, it's never, you know, you they do this stupid reveal show every, I guess it must be every Tuesday. But, I mean, what's the point? It, you know, the top four, we know what they're going to be every every week. So it's, it's kind of anticlimactic. I guess my only pushback against that is if you did have eight teams, let's say out the number one and number two team get a bye, we'd have Clemson playing Cincinnati. They'd get smoked. We'd have Ohio State playing Iowa State. They'd get smoked. And then we'd have Texas A&M, Florida, right? Like there's not going to be that much competitiveness the four best teams are the four best teams. I think I I think the only thing that may potentially would be a good idea is make it five teams so that every power conference gets in there and the number one seed gets a bye. I think that actually makes sense. Well, I the other point I guess with making it eight is 
if we keep doing this, you know, four teams or maybe even five, then, you know, they talk about this, you know, group of five or whatever, the other, the other conferences that aren't these power fives, that's a, a dream. It'll never be a reality. You know what I mean? That, that te- those teams are never getting in. They don't really have a chance. It's just kind of a theoretical. You know what I mean? If they go undefeated, they're not getting in over a one-loss Bama. Or, you know what I mean? It, it's, it's not really – I think you, know, you talk about the sport becoming more regional. It's because 95% of the teams don't really ever have a chance to get in. Yeah, that's true. That is true. That's a good point. And I guess you could throw Oklahoma in there too, kind of as a concentration. Yeah, whereas you know, you look at you look at college basketball. Shoot, you, you know what I mean. You could be from Winthrop and and have a chance to, obviously not win a national championship, but you you can make a postseason run. Yeah, that's true. That is true. All right. Well, I want to get off some college basketball takes right now as we're as we're recording. We have North Carolina, Iowa. I have some pretty spicy takes here, and you can push back on any of them. I know you feel pretty strongly. Um, I'm going to start with Iowa, who is the number three team in the country, led by Luca Garza as their National Player of the Year candidate, and Fran McCaffrey, who is their coach. He's been there 11 seasons. Um, let me yeah. just do that. Iowa is not that great of a team. I'm not in on Iowa. They start five white guys. I don't think that's going to get it done. Um, you have Luca Garza, who I think is overrated. Um, Bohanian has been there about 28 years. I don't see Iowa winning the Big Ten A. I don't see them winning the Big Ten Championship. I don't see them making it past, at the very most, they get to the Sweet 16, but I don't think they make it past the first weekend. Why am I wrong on Iowa? Yay. Um, well, I just wanted, you know, let's set the context. While we're speaking right now, they're currently playing the number 16 team in the country and and beating them by um, 15, uh, approaching halftime here. And, you know, they've been dominant so far this year. And I think uh, you're getting caught up in a little bit of the, we'll say, Iowa must that might be on them from from years past, where they're they're kind of just this all-time, middling, mediocre Big Ten team. It's like even when you think they have a good team, they're almost like Northwestern in football. Like you think, all right, this is the year they're they're gonna they're gonna not be five and four this year. And it's like, nope, they're gonna be five and four this year. They're not gonna win the big games, um, just because I think they have Jared Wieskamp, who's legit, legit good player. Um, C.J. Frederick, who's a great three point shooter, was really good as a freshman last year. Now he's a sophomore. Um, you mentioned Bohannon, who I'm not super huge on, but you know, experience does matter, especially in the tournament. And then Luca Garza, I think you're underselling him a little bit. Well, um, Tillman ate his launch last year. He embarrassed Garza. He took him to school. I know Tillman's gone in the <laughs> NBA, now, but for me, you put Marcus Bingham on here, he's going to send him back, send his shot back to Washington. Marcus Bingham is? Oh, my God. Marcus Bingham's going to lose every single tooth in his mouth if he plays against Luca Garza. I think they'll probably put Marble on him or Malik Hall maybe. But, I mean, here's yeah. my here's my biggest thing, and, and I want you to picture this. You're it's, it's March, and it's the second round, and let's say they're playing Belmont, and Belmont went on a run. You see – you look over, they, they pan to Fran McCaffrey. 
Fran McCaffrey is going to make the coaching adjustments needed, going to keep the players calm to lead them to, I don't know how far, what would be your guess? How far you think Iowa can make the final four? You see a Iowa hanging up a final four banner with Fran McCaffrey as the head coach? Forget about it. All right. I, I'll say, I mean, I definitely think Sweet 16 is the floor for them this year. That will be the bare minimum. That's the ceiling. I don't think that tops. You think, They're going to lose think, them. You think it's their ceiling? Weekend. Yeah, I, I, I just don't think so. I think that's the bare minimum for them. Hey, agree to disagree. And I'm going to say this now. Michigan State's going to win the Big Ten, the regular season and the tournament. Okay. This is ours to lose. Hey, sur- surprising, surprising take for you. I'm, my I'm other, shocked by that. My other spicy college basketball take, Illinois overrated. They're not going to be that good. They're, they were at 1.5th. They lost this last weekend. Um, they played Duke tonight. I bet you they lose to Duke, and I don't think Illinois is very good. Why okay, am I wrong let, here? Um, well, be, I, I think you're you're trying to talk yourself into Michigan State winning the Big Ten more than you're trying to really disparage <laughs> Iowa and Illinois. I think you're trying to convince yourself that Michigan State's <laughs> going to just run away with it. I think that's what's really happening. Um, but, I mean, Illinois, like, yeah, they got a little bit beat up by Baylor, but – I mean, Baylor's the number two team in the country and is just dominant defensively. Listen, we know, but we talked about Baylor last year. Their coach in that in those jerseys, they're not going far. Come on. We we know Baylor every year. They're not gonna do it. Hey, this could be the year, baby. So uh, some years gotta be the year. Um I don't know, but I think like with Desumu and Kofi Coburn and um some of the other players on that team. Uh, what's his, I think Andy Miller, the freshman, little lefty, he's going to be really good for them. I, th- I think they're going to be a little bit tougher than you think. And, you know, I will, I will note that Michigan did have a little scare last Sunday, I believe it was, or a little bit over a week ago, maybe a week and a half ago now against Oakland. Had to go to OT, you know, pulled away in OT, and, and Michigan's looked really good since then. You know, I was getting a little bit of, of flack from you. Oh, that's trash. You can't, you know, max school can't, or whatever, Heisley can't have that happen. Then, you know, there was a little bit of concern in that, in that Detroit Mercy Michigan State game. You know, we were talking about in the, in the Lions Den group chat a little bit. Al Gabe, radio silent, must not have been watching the game or he was a little nervous, one of the two. Friday, 12-4, did not watch Michigan State versus Detroit Mercy. I, there was never – I mean, I was checking in on Twitter. There was never a concern for me. <laughs> I never had a never had a peep to say either. <laughs> well, you, you texted one thing. Nobody responded. I, I checked it because I didn't even actually know we were playing that day. Um, and you texted that. And I looked at the scores. So it's close. I saw that there were some issues. But listen, <laughs> <laughs> Rocket hey, Watts, that's... Aaron Henry, the combination of them – Hauser is just railing through. He's like the college version of um, Jokic. I like what I see from Michigan State a lot. We play Virginia tomorrow. Probably win. Hauser owned- versus Hauser. Huh? Hauser versus Hauser. We own. I thought he went to. I thought the other Hauser is a West Virginia guy. Or is that uh, we- Virginia? Virginia. Well, we own Tony Bennett. Tony Bennett. I don't think has ever beat Michigan State. So. Forget about well, it. We'll we'll see, and and you have um, Gabe Brown is is kind of Eric's on again, off again lover, um, kind of the crazy girlfriend that 
you know, he can't stand at one second and, you know, she reels him right back in. Hits a three. I like Gabe Brown. Right I like Gabe Brown. He can shoot. He gets a little crate. The, the thing about Michigan State is if we turn the ball over, that's when we're so bad. And it's not like, you know, any team who turns the ball over. But when we do it, it's like we do it in, in style. Like it's like 25 turnovers. And that's when we look bad. Okay. You know what I, I'm, I'm thinking too, you know, imagine Io Desunmu, you know, comes off a pick and roll and he's, he's looking at the rim. He says, oh boy. He starts licking his fingers. I got Foster Lawyer guard me, baby. I'm a six five spelt point guard. I got a little barbecue chicken on me. I'm going to the well, rack. We finally started Rocket Watts at point guard against <laughs> Duke, and that was the right decision because he played much better. And Foster actually hit a big three in that game, but mm-hmm. he did his classic when Foster gets pressured behind, like in the in the backcourt. He always turns his back to the players, which generally will lead to a trap or a lot of times the defender will just pull their chair out from under him and he falls down. He does this all the damn time. I can't stand him dribbling the ball. Like if I was another team, I'd be like, anytime this guy uh, brings the ball up court, just pressure him. Like he's prone to make really bad mistakes dribbling the ball. Rocket Watts is so much better. And I hope that I think Tom Izzo was trying to make a statement like, Oh, lawyer's a captain. And I like, dude, he's not, yeah. as good. you know, well, I was going to say, I think he's doing the same thing that Javon Howard's doing at, at Michigan with, he starts Austin Davis, who's a, like a fifth year senior a at center. Yeah. Big country. Cause he's, the, you know, he's the, one of the captains of the team. So he starts him and, you know, every game Michigan has gotten off to a pretty slow start. Not all his fault. There's been some foul trouble and um, just some bad play, but you bring in seven foot two freshman, five-star Hunter Dickinson, who's, you know, now just named the Big Ten Freshman of the Week. And he just absolutely dominates every time he's in the game. So I, I think that's going to be a similar change that um, Juwan Howard makes soon. and just says, hey, you know, get it. Love you. Love you, Austin. Love you, Foster. But you guys got to come off the bench and just kind of know your role. But you know what? It's kind of the catch-22 of college basketball, right? Because generally speaking – you're not going to win with freshmen. You're not going to win the national championship. So you have to have these two and three star guys that are going to be four year players. If you ever really want to do win a championship, you have to have ideally a guard who's been around for three years, like an Aaron Henry type, who is just not good enough to make the NBA as an underclassman that you can keep. And you have to incentivize, Hey, if you stick around, I'm going to take care of you when you're a junior and senior, because you're not going to win national championships unless you're Kentucky with you have to have like three or four or five star guys. And that was one time. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I think the, the most perfect example of that is Cassius. You need that dude that is super, yep. super skilled, but just isn't quite athletic enough to, you know, really, really be a big time. Um, we'll say draft pick or have a lot of potential on the next level. Yeah. yeah. Um, you need those, those dudes to be, you know, super elite, like, you know, Quinn Cook at Duke or just some of those type of dudes. It's like, okay, they could make it in the pros just because they're so skilled, but they don't blow you away athletically. Like a Mo Wagner was a good, he was like almost a little too good. If he could have been a little bit worse, you could yeah, get back for yeah. senior year or, you know, like Livers yeah. is, is right there. Like Cassius is like the perfect situation because yeah. he's a guard. He's been around, he can make shots. And he's just not athletic. I mean, that's like a you dream of that situation. And we really had that stolen from us because we're probably national champions, realistically. Um, 
Well, and <laughs> the other team, and, and I hate them, so I hate them as, as much as anybody, but Wisconsin is the absolute king of getting those type of players. Yeah. Dudes that are just knockdown three-point shooters. They always got good bigs. They, you know, just know what they're doing, but you know they're never going to be good NBA players. I mean, they had Kaminsky and Decker there when they made the national championship, and that's what turns, you know, a pretty good Big Ten team into a national championship contender. It, you got to have those. Start giving Duke forty fouls. Boom. Yeah. Well, hey, Denzel Valentine. You'll have so, that. Yeah. You'll have that. You'll have that. Um, I want to give an update on this Iowa. North Carolina game. It was just 37-29. North Carolina cut the lead. Garza's gas. Run, I mean, he's a house. Run up, he's just lugging along. Just so tired. Cheeks are rosy red. Arms are rosy red. He needs a blow. He, this guy's not a national player of the year, Colin. Come on, dude. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> Come on, man. Put, I don't know who the field. Be national player of the year, but it can't be this guy. I'm sorry. It just can't be. Well, hey, good answer. I, I, I Vegas odds are probably in your favor. I think he was favored, right? Yes, he is. You'll take the field. I will take the field. You're dang right. So, a lot of college. Let's talk a little Lions. Lions come back. Darren Bevel makes his debut. They We beat the Bears. Get a big strip uh, fumble off Mitchell Trubisky. The Bears really played like the Lions. <laughs> they blew it. They turn it over on like the eight yard line. It's a touchdown. Lions get a win. The, I'm having a little bit of fear because Darren Bevel gets the win, and the Lions are actually in the playoff hunt here. They have a mathematically tough speaking. Mathematically speaking, only, only, we're only a game only out in technicalities. Well, they're only a game out. We're one game behind Minnesota. They're six and six. We're five and six. We play Minnesota still. Now we play Tampa Bay, Tennessee, Minnesota, and Green Bay. Four really tough games. But if the Lions make a run, I would be happy about it. But Darren Bevel clearly wants to be a head coach. He's like, I've waited for this moment my whole life. You've waited the whole, your whole life to be an interim head coach? Hey. Uh, <laughs> hey. Keep waiting, keep waiting, baby. I just – if somehow the Lions did make the playoffs, the worst-case scenario is we hired Darren Bevel to be our next head coach. That's the WCS here. Because Darren Bevel is the substitute teacher, Colin. He is yep. playing. They're like, we got to hear music. Danny Amendola was like, we got to hear music at practice. That's been the best thing. Hey, this teacher lets us listen to music during class. Um, he doesn't make the offensive lineman wear knee braces on non-contact days. Like, oh, this is awesome. Dude, he's a sub-teacher. He's not going to get it done for you. Yeah, I mean, this is you've, – you've been in an abusive relationship. You know, she's just yelling at you all the time, always mad at you. You finally break up with her. You go out to the bar. First girl that even looks your way, you're, you're on one knee ready to propose. Cannot do it. <laughs> Cannot do it. Take your time, pal. Take your time. And Detroit Lions, take your time. Let me read you the schedule. And of those four games I listed, do we have any chance? I mean, what would you rank? Minnesota is the only potential win in my mind. So we play Green Bay this weekend. At Slaughter. home. At home. Slaughter. Matt Stafford, sometimes the Packers struggle in Ford Field. Just saying. No, Tennessee, no is, Tennessee is beatable. They Tampa. are, but I see I see Derrick Henry running for like 180 yards against us. I, I disagree on that. We play Tom Brady the day after Christmas. He's probably going to have a hangover. He ate too many strawberries. 
and we play the Vikings at home to end the year. Uh, I see one and three. Okay. Two and two at the best. Two and two at the best. Probably two and two at the best. Now, I did say the Lions going a little mini run, and I wasn't technically wrong there. I The only one I got wrong was the Panthers because I the rest I felt good about. I was pretty good. Um, I think I said okay, Colts were did you Which, say we were going to lose to the Texans? Uh, yeah, I'd, I've been big on that. I think I, the Vikings game I got wrong. And the Colts game, I will say, that actually was close until Stafford threw a really back-breaking interception, which I think Stafford is addicted to throwing back-breaking interceptions. Yeah, I mean, he, again, had a great game on, on Sunday. The pick he threw on that screen pass, it was one of like the eight plays that I saw in red zone this weekend, was – just asinine. I mean, I watched that one and just made me about want to punch my TV for the first time ever. It was just pathetic, but obviously he made up for it. Game winning. He, I mean, he had a really nice, he had a dime of a throw too. So I was happy. Quintez. Quintez. Quintez I want to keep winning. I know they need to win. The Lions need to win games. We got to start establishing a winning culture. Just got to do it. Yeah, here, here's here's another thing. So we, we fired Patricia. The very same week we fire him, we cut Marvin Hall, and Quintez Cephas has two catches for like 70 yards and a touchdown. Funny how that happens. And Hawkinson was fed the ball a like bunch you, too. Yeah, it's almost like you need to use your talented players and not use Adrian Peterson every time. But AP had two tutties. He had, a, he had the game winner, so – well, Bring uh, how back. many yards out was it? It's going back. <laughs> All right, there are a couple sure couple other NFL games I wanted to talk about. The first one that, aside from the Lions, that I wanted to mention was the Eagles losing to the Packers. Packers look great, obviously, but Carson Wentz gets benched for um, Hurt. Sucking. Jalen Hurt. Jalen Hurts. And I want – I wanted to read you something. So, and they've also announced that Hertz is taking over. And Hertz did not actually look that good. He looked, he it has no zip on the ball. But, needless to say, I want to read this to you. So, last June, Carson Wentz signed a four-year, hundred nine million dollar extension. Or, I'm sorry, a four-year extension with a hundred nine of it being guaranteed. That doesn't kick in till this next year. Let me read this to you. If Carson Wentz is not on the roster in 2021. It's going to cost the Eagles $59 million in cap, in salary cap. If he's not on in 2022, it's going to cost them $25 million in dead money. Dude, that's insane. Like, they have to – like, I would just keep playing him. I wouldn't bench him, but I think Doug Peterson feels like he's going to get fired if he doesn't. Well, I mean, I'm a – I mean, this is probably the most extreme uh, example of it you'll ever see, but I'm not a – like, hey, we paid him, so we got to play him. I'm more of a sunk cost guy to say, hey, no matter whether we we play him or not, he's getting paid. So if we truly think that he's hurting us, it's not like it it costs more to not play him. You know what I mean? If that yeah, makes sense. That's true. But like, he, if there's someone addicted to backbreaking turnovers, it's him. I mean, he holds on to the ball so much. It's insane how he holds on to that ball. <laughs> he throws picks, he fumbles, and he takes sacks. It's it's bad. How the sacks is the one thing. Him and Cam Newton, watching those two guys play, dude, they take so many. They stand there like statues. Well, 
yeah, Carson Wentz just almost goes out of his way to to throw interceptions. He can take a, a perfectly normal play. You know, he has a guy wide open for like eight seconds just sitting in the flats waiting for the ball. He'll wait until he gets hit and someone has him in the grasp. He's falling down and he'll just whip it 30 yards up in the air and just, you know, kind of 500 see who catches it. <laughs> I can't believe how bad he's playing, dude. I cannot <laughs> believe it. It's it's pathetic. It it is truly pathetic. It's it's only fun to watch because you know it's I don't know. It's like watching a train wreck. Watching Cam Newton, Carson Wentz, and also Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson takes a bunch of sacks too. Deshaun Watson either makes like a forty yard play or takes just a terrible sack. Those guys are nuts, dude. How they take sacks? <laughs> well, the only difference being like. Deshaun Watson, when he takes those – like, he doesn't throw horrible picks. You know what it's I mean? Turtles. His is a high – we'll say high risk, high reward on those. Yeah, he'll take the huge sack sometimes, but there's other times where he turns stuff into touchdowns that a normal quarterback is just, you know, taking an eight-yard sack on. Kirk Cousins, the Vikings are my team I'm rooting for. Kirk Cousins has led some big drives the last two weeks. Now, he did have one really bad interception against the Jags. But Kirk's been looking pretty good, dude. The pick six. That was a classic Stafford pick six there. And then you get to lead your team to the comeback. <laughs> uh, the other game, there was only other one real other game that I thought was noteworthy. The Chiefs roll again. The Washington football team knocks off the Steelers. I can't say enough, dude, how impressed I am with Alex Smith. He had some big throws. The dude almost died. And he looks, he's out there playing actually really well and has Washington in playoff contention. I mean, they should have won the Lions game. They should be 6-6. Six and six. Yeah, and, I mean, that division's going to be, I don't know, kind of funny now that we're getting towards the end of the year. And it looks like, you know, I don't want to say I'd be afraid to play the, you know, say the Giants or the Redskins in the playoffs. I'd probably be more afraid to play the, the Giants. Um, I, did, I think I'd be more afraid to play Washington because – the quarterback situation, like if Daniel Jones is playing, you know he's going to turn the ball over. Alex Smith doesn't turn over, you know? That's true, but I also think it's a little bit easier probably to, you know, once you get to the playoffs, a little bit easier to game plan because you know exactly what you're getting out of um, Alex Smith. And, true. And you know what Washington's going to want to do where, you know, Daniel Jones, if he is playing, yeah, he's almost bound to throw a, a game-losing pick or have a fumble or something but he can also kind of make make a play every now and then but you know I, I, i'll go with the giants just because jabril you know just another example of a a michigan guy that probably wasn't uh used 100 percent correctly in college and finally looks like he might be figuring it out now in the pros now though i do want to say with alex smith Everybody makes like calls him check down Charlie, but he had a big pass up the sideline in a crucial moment. Um, that was good. I think, I dude, if if Washington could win a Super Bowl, I, I know that would ne- they'd never beat the Chiefs because the Chiefs are just so good. But it'd be pretty cool if Washington. I don't like Dan Snyder, but it, imagine. I mean, that's a Disney movie. If somehow that could happen, <laughs> the football team, yeah, in that <laughs> year, in the year that they don't have a name. <laughs> Any other games that stuck out to you? Wanted to mention. Um, trying to think the, the only one that I, um, don't want to say I was shocked by, but the, it, things have really taken a kind of downward spiral for is the Seahawks. Yeah. Um, like, 
I don't know. They're just very kind of blah as, as a team. I would say right now, I'm not super, super impressed by their offense like I was at the beginning of the year. Seems like Russ had his hot streak and hasn't been super great since then. Um, so I, I don't know. I kind of got my eye on them to see if it's just kind of a bad streak that they're going through and if they'll get back to, you know, kind of the heights that they were at at the beginning of the year or if it's here to stay. Yeah, that was pretty shocking that the Giants – I mean, the Giants actually beat them. They were up – the Giants were up 12 with like six minutes to go, and it looked like like it was going to be a classic Russell Wilson. They were up – they are down 12, like, oh, the Seahawks are probably going to win by two points because Russ is going to lead two drives. And they had an opportunity, but um, he turned the ball over. They had a turnover on downs or something. So they couldn't mm-hmm. – the other last game that we haven't talked about is – and this has kind of been talked at nauseum on SportsCenter and a bunch of podcasts is – the Jets were up 28 to 24 against the Raiders, and the Raiders threw a 45, a 46-yard touchdown pass with five seconds remaining, because their coach Greg Williams called a zero blitz. Pretty astonishing that the Jets, who are 0 and 12 now, called that play and lost in the way that they did. All right, so Colin, thanks for joining us, buddy. We appreciate you. There's so much going on. College basketball, college football, NFL, right? Everything's heating up. I guess college football is sort of winding down, but we have the NFL, you know, continuing on in a, in a way that's that's really really ideal. And you know that's great. I mean, but it's like we don't have enough time. We don't want to make you sit here for an hour and a half. But I know we do want to talk NBA. We have a whole James Harden, Russell Westbrook saga that's going on. I know Colin is going six to midnight. I'm Killian Hayes starting for the Pistons. I think we're going to get Spence on and do an NBA preview, get everybody fired up and get our minds right for the NBA season. Guys, I want to thank you for continuing to listen and support the Man of the Moment podcast. Something I look forward to doing every week and love hearing feedback and love just staying connected with you guys and seeing those downloads grow and subscribe. It's really cool. That, that's all because you guys. It's awesome. Tuesday, you can always join our live show at 7.30 p.m.